Early one evening, I left the detective bureau and soon noticed the same compact car had been in my mirror for a few blocks. A silver-colored Toyota, beat-up-looking, with no front license plate, driven by two Hispanic-looking men. I wasn't sure if they were following me, but I didn't want to take a chance. My nerves were shot. I'd been dreading this exact thing for weeks. A quick turn down a side street didn't lose them. Maybe if I stopped, they'd pass, but that would have made me an easy drive-by target, and I was outnumbered. I hastily formed my plan. If they continued to follow, I'd phone for patrol units to pull them over as I led them around aimlessly. A call over the police radio might tip them off, though, if they had a scanner. I hoped a quick jaunt on the freeway might lose them, but they were still there, just a few cars behind, in the lane to my right. The rush-hour traffic slowed. Something ahead was bringing traffic to a complete stop. If these guys were assassins, this might be their best chance. Pull up next to me and unload everything they have. The tactic is used south of the border more often than people in the United States know, and they're usually armed to the teeth. I was ready. One hand on my pistol in my lap and a pump-action 12-gauge shotgun lying across the seat next to me. The car drew up on my right, and I waited for the smallest of signs. The pistol rested between my legs as I jacked around into the shotgun's chamber. I could feel my pulse beating in my neck. The driver rolled his window down and threw out a spent cigarette. His chiseled face, backed with dark, lifeless eyes, reminded me of a shark. I pointed the shotgun directly at him, just out of view below the doorframe. Safety off. Finger on the trigger. Each of the five rounds in the shotgun had nine thirty-three caliber projectiles inside, just waiting to tear through the door panel and eliminate the threat. He had no idea what a bad decision he was about to make. Time seemed to stand still. Neither the driver nor the passenger had even glanced at me. Traffic started to flow again and the moment was over. I relaxed my grip on the shotgun and holstered my pistol. Before I could reflect, I was on the next freeway exit contemplating another path home. My heart raced. I had mixed thoughts. Thankful it turned out to be nothing, and disturbed that Damon had gotten inside my head. Police work is rarely as you see on TV. Real investigations don't begin and end in an hour. Some take months or years to complete. And heart-racing, adrenaline-filled moments are sometimes scarce in the endless days of the work grind. But every now and then, maybe once in a career for some cops, a case comes along that could have been conceived by a Hollywood screenwriter. Weeks before, Chief Deputy District Attorney Sandy DiGiacomo had called, her tone urgent. Brad, detectives just told me someone's put a hit out on me. My heart began to thud heavily. A contract killing is nothing to take lightly, especially for a prosecutor who has made a lot of daunting enemies. They asked me where my kids are and said I might want to get them from school. Her voice shook. And you'll never guess who the bad guy is. No way, I said, knowing exactly what she meant. Yep, Damon Monroe.
Sandy and I had been working an investigation involving Damon, a thief who had probably committed more crimes than anyone I'd ever known. Clearly, things had just taken a turn for the worse.